Chapter Ten of Amusement Only. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carmen H. Amusement Only by Richard Marsh. Twins. Chapter Three: The Unfortunate Result of Being a Twin. So, Mister Buxton, you don't know me, nor me. The largest stranger stood against the door. The lesser one, who appeared to be acting as echo, leaned against a table. He began, with a slightly overacted air of carelessness, to roll a cigarette. There was something about this little man which Hubert did not like at all. He was a short, wiry individual, with long, straight black hair, hollow, sallow, shaven cheeks, high-projecting cheekbones, and a pair of small black eyes which he had a trick of screwing up until only the pupils could be seen. His personal attractions were not enhanced by a huge mole which occupied a conspicuous place in the middle of his left cheek, but if he liked the appearance of the small man later, it was not because he liked the appearance of the tall man more. This was a great hulking fellow, with sandy whiskers and moustache, and a manner which, in spite of its greasy insinuation, Hubert felt was distinctly threatening. Is it really possible, Mr. Buxton, that I have had the misfortune to escape your memory? And me? Hubert glanced from one to the other. That the little man was a foreigner, probably an Italian, he made up his mind at once. As to the nationality of the big man, he was not so sure. He had had dealings with some strange people in his time, both at home and abroad but he could not recollect encountering either of these gentlemen before. I do not remember having ever seen either of you. Oh, you do not remember? The big man came a step nearer. You do not remember that pleasant evening in that little room at Nice? You do not remember slapping my face? Quickly exclaimed the little man, suddenly slapping his own right cheek with startling vigor. You do not remember accusing me of cheating you at heart? You do not remember placing an insult on me? On me? On me? All at once, abandoning the process of manufacturing his cigarette, the little man came and placed himself in even uncomfortable proximity to Hubert's person. My friend, my cheek is burning to this very hour. Hubert did not like the look of things at all. He was sure he had never seen this man before. I understand the position exactly. You are doing what people constantly are doing. You are mistaking me for my brother. Mistaking you for your brother? I am mistaking you for your brother? And me? cried the little man, again saluting his own cheek smartly. You liar! The big man's manner was insulting. Hubert felt he must resent it. How dare you? But the sentiment died down into his boots as the big man came at him with a sudden ferocity which seemed to cause the beating of his heart to cease. How dare I? You dare to speak a word to me. Liar! I will kill you where you stand. As for me, remarked the short man, affably, I have this and this. From one recess in his clothing he took a revolver. From another, a long glittering and business-like, if elegant, knife. All these years I have not been able to make up my mind if I will shoot you like a dog, or stick you like a pig, which you are. Gentlemen, explained Hubert, 
with surprising mildness. I assure you, you are under a misapprehension. The likeness between my brother and myself is so striking that our most intimate friends mistake one for the other. For whom, then, did my sister mistake you this morning and tonight? A light flashed upon Hubert's brain. You mean Angel? You call her Angel. He calls her Angel. I hear, observed the little man. If you will allow me to explain. The big man made a gesture of refusal, but the little man caught him by the arm. Let the liar speak, he said. The big man, acting on his friend's advice, let the, that is, he let Hubert speak. Availing himself of the courteously offered permission, Hubert did his best to make things clear. I am not, as I would have told you before, if you would have let me, I am not Cecil, but Hubert Buxton. The big man made another gesture. Again, the little man restrained him. We are twins. All our lives, it has been difficult to tell one from the other. Of recent years, I understand the resemblance between us has grown even greater, but the likeness is only skin deep. Cecil is the elder by, I believe, about thirty seconds. He is a rich man, and I am a poor man, bitterly poor. The big man spoke. And you dare to tell me that you have been making love to my sister under a false name? Very good. I have killed a man for less, but I will not kill you, not yet. Is your handwriting as much like your brother's as you are? My face is like Cecil's. So, sit down. Hubert sat down. Take that pen. He took the pen. He dipped it in the ink. Right. I promise to marry... What's the good of my promising to marry anyone? Don't I tell you that I'm without a sou with which to bless myself? Right, my friend, what I dictate. I promise to marry... Hubert wrote it. Marion Philipson Peters. And who the... Something is Marion Philipson Peters? Marion Philipson Peters. Mrs. Philipson Peters is my sister. It seemed to be a tolerably prosaic paraphrase of Angel. Hubert, if the expression of his features could be trusted, appeared to think so. And what possible advantage does your sister propose to derive from my promising, either in black and white or in any other way, to marry her? Does the lady propose to pay my debts or to provide me with an income? Attend to me, my friend. Write what I dictate. The big man laid his hand on Hubert's shoulder with an amount of pressure which might mean much or more. Hubert looked up. The pressure increased. Write it. The little man was standing on the other side of the unwilling scribe. He had his revolver in one hand, his knife in the other. Write it, he said. Up went Hubert's shoulders. He wrote it. The big man continued his dictation. Within three months after date, what on earth? Right. Within three months after date. Oh, I'll write anything. I'll promise to marry her within three minutes to oblige you. The big man examined what Hubert had written. Very like, very like indeed. So like Cecil Buxton penwriting that I plainly perceive, my friend, that you are the prince of all the liars. Now sign it. He arrested Hubert's hand. Sign it. Cecil Buxton. Hubert glanced up. He dropped his pen. Now I see. Pick up that pen. 
pleasure. He picked it up. Sign it, Cecil Buxton. The big man spoke in a tone of voice which could not, truthfully, be described as friendly. In other words, commit forgery. The tall man turned to the short one. Eugene, who is to use your revolver? Is it you or I? I swear to you that if this scoundrel, this contemptible villain, does not make all the reparation to my sister that is in his miserable power, I will blow his brains out as he is sitting here. The short man smiled, not pleasantly. Leave to me, my friend, that sacred duty, the sacred duty of being executioner. I have long had a little grudge of my own against Mr. Cecil Buxton. I have one of those little insults to wipe out, which can only be wiped out by blurred. I have not doubted all the time that this is Mr. Cecil Buxton. I doubt it still less now that I have seen him write. I swear to you. The big man cut Hubert uncivilly short. He repeated his command. Sign it, Cecil Buxton. Hubert looked from one face to the other. He was conscious, painfully conscious, that his was not a pleasant situation. He saw murder on the short man's face. He did not like the look of his revolver. He held it far too carelessly, that he was the sort of man who would entertain no kind of conscientious scruple against shooting him. To use his own words like a dog, he felt quite certain. Let me say one word, he pleaded. The big man refused him even that grace. Not one. While Hubert hesitated, the pen between his fingers, there came a rapping at the door. End of chapter 3 of Twins